Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1311 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. And today's podcast will be myself and Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops talking about the power forwards on the Hawks roster. I'm actually pre-recording this episode a few days early. You're listening to it hopefully on Sunday evening or Monday. And as of this week, Media Day arrives. Friday, the 23rd of September is Media Day. That's the unofficial kickoff of the season for the Hawks. There's open practice next week, the 28th, at the arena for fans to come out and check out the team. And they go overseas to Abu Dhabi. And from there, it gets very busy in a hurry i am traveling over this weekend which is why i'm recording this podcast ahead of time but zach is joining me to talk about the power forwards if you remember from earlier in the offseason if you were a longtime listener to the show i talked to glenn willis of peace hoops in deep dive fashion about all different players on the hawks returning roster but since then a lot has changed and i know we have new listeners all the time and we're sort of ripping up to the season now so zach has uh, agreed to join me on a few of these episodes talking about the positions sort of in deep dive fashion player for player on today's show we're talking about john collins of course jalen johnson mo harkless and even a little bit of sprinkling of chris silva who is now on the roster as well as an exhibit 10 player heading into training camp so if anything has happened in the last couple of days forgive me i will touch on that on the next episode when i am back in town but that is today's episode on the horizon please subscribe to this podcast apple Podcasts, spotify youtube ratings reviews all that fun stuff and after the intro i'll be back with myself and zach hood talking about the power forwards on the hawks roster you are locked on hawks your daily atlanta hawks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day I'm joined now by my friend and a frequent guest of this podcast. It's been a little while. I try not to bug him too much this time. But listen, we're almost to the season, and I'm joined by Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops. Hello, sir. How you doing? I appreciate you having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, getting into some forwards. <laughs> uh, the season is here. Uh, I know I, I said this a little bit before I brought you in as well, but uh, we're going to do a few of these, of course, positionally. I did some deep dives with our mutual friend, Glenn Willis, like three months ago now, four months ago now, on the on the guys who were returning, or at least we thought were going to be returning. But um, I was reminded gently by our network overlords that people don't always listen to every single podcast, and the season is looming. So I thought it was a good idea to kind of uh, sort of just check in with all the uh, players on the Hawks roster. They have 18 as I record this with you and uh, at the power four position, which we'll be tackling today. They basically have three guys that are on the roster and then a, uh, a non-roster invitee exhibit 10 contract guy in uh, Chris Silva. So I actually want to start there real quickly, just knock that out and get out of the way. Chris Silva um, odds are will not be on the roster, but because because he is going to come to training camp. I know Tyson Etienne's the other guy that we'll maybe talk about at some point along the way here. Chris Silva has been an NBA player, though, at some point. Um, he's played in almost 70 games with the with the Heat. Good defender. But uh, did you have any hot takes on Chris Silva? Zach, I know you're probably deep, knee-deep in film this time of year on Chris Silva. So, yeah, I mean, I looked at Silva, of course, a little bit. But, I mean, he's, he's 6'8", and he has four career three-point attempts in those whatever, how many games, 70 games you said. So obviously he doesn't quite fit into a, you know, any team that wants like a lot of spacing because he can't really play center. So with Capella, there's really no way to play him. And then whether he would be able to work into the bench or not, um, I mean, probably not, like you said. So no hot take or anything on Silva, but <laughs> I think he's like a good like camp player, if that makes sense. Like he can defend, he can play team defense in preseason games for like 10 minutes or whatever, but 
I don't think he's like, you know, much more than that, I guess. Yeah, you know, he's like you say, he's pretty much a complete non-shooter. Like we don't know if there's something untapped in there, but good rebounder, good defender. Uh, also has like a weirdly sky high turnover rate on offense, in addition to not being able to shoot. So not too much there. But yeah, I'm kind of with you. This is kind of the kind of guy that you would want to have around training camp a young vet who can show up every day and play defense and be trusted to be a professional and all that stuff. And uh, good reviews out of Miami, but I think it would take um, some hurdles for him to actually be on the roster, even on a two way or whatever, because they have both two way slots full now. And the, uh, the one roster spot that's still open. I can't imagine that Silva is the first choice for that. If they want to use it. So, when at least when we, to at least include him here because he's going to go in training camp, which is opening fairly soon as you're listening to this podcast. But that's all I got of Chris Silva. We can move on to Mo Harkless, a guy who I know Hawks fans for the most part that I hear from, I'm sure you have as well, are not excited about Mo Harkless necessarily because they would rather see Jalen Johnson. We'll talk about in a second. But Mo Harkless is a 29 year old veteran. Uh, combo forward type feels like he's 35 I keep being surprised that he's 29 years old feels like Mohawk has been in my life for a very very long time but he's still 29 years old um, you know good defender and all that stuff but uh, basically he's the guy who it seems to be the most likely to be traded for luxury tax purposes also at the same time he could be the opening night backup power forward and that would not stun me that's kind of a wide range honestly at this point in time yeah um, I mean He's a, uh, I don't know. I can see not being excited about him, but at the same time, he also is probably still better than Jalen Johnson. I mean, we haven't seen Jalen Johnson like do stuff in like real NBA minutes yet. So like, it's safer. Probably, he's he, safer is the word yeah, I keep using. Yeah, he, he's like, I'm definitely more <laughs> excited about Jalen Johnson. I'll be clear. I mean, obviously he's a, a guy who was supposed to be a lottery pick last year or whatever. So excited yeah i don't be excited about mo Harkless, maybe other than the fact that you know assuming he's healthy and everyone else is healthy and he doesn't have to play like a ton of minutes like he's gonna go out there compete i mean he's not gonna be like a great shooter but you know he can hit a wide open one or whatever at least face the floor like a little bit i mean it might be a little bit of a concern playing him with uh capella a ton but i don't know i mean he's somewhat dependable i feel like so it's not like a exciting thing for him to come in, but it's also like a body that, you know, you're probably going to need to get through the regular season because it's just hard to get through 82 games. I mean, without a couple of like cheap vets that can just eat up minutes without like, you know, having like a big, like uh, negative, you know, like minus plus minus or whatever. Yeah. I think he's like, he's a veteran minimum kind of player that's making more than that. Um, he's really the only guy on the roster in his salary range that's not a rookie. Like he's making four and a half million this year. He was obviously like a fill-in to make the money work in the Kings deal. And you know, other than maybe Glenn Willis, our friend, I'm probably the most predisposed to like valuing Mo Harkless. I think the, the defense is actually very useful. He's a good defender at both at both forward spots. He can actually, he can actually defend wings as well. Like short of hundred, I got an analogy uh, for you. Go ahead. It's like. Johnson, because I'm hoping that he's better, but it could be like a TLC Cam situation where everyone wants dying for Cam to play, but like TLC is actually helping like a lot more and hurting a lot less. Whatever you want to look at it, helping more, hurting. Yeah, that definitely could happen. I mean, I don't know. It's also the one thing I like about Jalen, and we're gonna, I guess we're gonna get into him. Is I do like like he could actually play with Trey as to where Cam like really is just not gonna play with anyone, you know, in the way that he plays offense. 
So, yeah, no, I, I, it's interesting because outside of Hunter, I think Harkless is probably their best defender on like big wings too on the roster. Like Holiday, Justin Holiday, who we'll touch on on another episode, is a solid wing defender, but he's more of like he's more of a two three defender. Like he's pretty skinny. Good vet, um, and obviously Dejounte Murray is a really good defender. But he's only six four. Like if you're trying to guard Jason Tatum, just for an example, like Hunter would be your best option, and I think Harkless is their second best option. So like that's part of the deal here is that in addition to just kind of being reliable, he can defend both forward spots, and like he knows where to be. Like the, the obvious parallel is Solomon Hill for more Harkless. Like across the board, he is more he is more athletic than Solomon Hill. Um, I think he's a better defender, like on the ball, definitely than Solomon Hill. But like, for just for recent Hawks fans that may not know a lot of, about Mo Harkless, like that's the kind of player that you're going to get here. It's like a very low usage offensive player who will defend, and that the staff's going to trust, and people are not going to value. Like I know I kind of preached the Solomon Hill stuff when he was around. Like he was a useful piece in a lot of different ways, and fans hated it. And I think it might, that might happen again for the same reasons. Like Harkless is the most low volume guy. Like okay, here's an example. The last four years, he has an 11% usage rate for four seasons. That is incredibly low for a, for a player that has played real minutes over that sample. And he only takes four threes per 100 possessions, and that's basically his primary thing is just to be a floor spacer. He's not a good shooter at all. So offensively, like, he's a negative. No one's saying otherwise. But for this staff that, like, seems to value defense, we'll get into Jalen in a second. Like, you kind of tease that too. I've said this a number of times. I'll say it now. Anybody that's sort of a new listener – the reason Jalen didn't play last year was defense, not offense. They didn't trust him on defense. Like that's this state. You could argue with it all you want to, but this staff and Nate, they're going to lean on guys that they trust defensively. And that's the concern is that if you want to see Jalen, you're hoping that he is good enough defensively to where they don't just get mad at him and bury him. Cause that could happen. And especially with Harkless still on this roster, like he's a safety valve that Nate could go to. And people might not love that, but it's, he's going to be there in that sort of fallback role. Yeah, it's kind of like um, definitely like Solo for sure. And I feel like it's going to be the same type of thing where if either Solo or TLC, if he happens to airball a three or brick a three really bad, then like <laughs> – And he will. He's gonna Marcus get, is a bad shooter. Yeah, he's not a good gonna, shooter. He, he's going to get canceled like after two of those, you know. And game two of the season, he's going to be canceled by like half the fan. Honestly, game one, because I, I know you've seen him, but like – I think there are people that that don't know what his jump what his jumper looks like, and yeah. it really is a it's very ugly as well. Like it's yeah. not like he's just a shaky shooter that looks like a normal shoot. He has a he has a really bad shooting stroke as well. Yeah. So like the first time he the first time he winds up to shoot like catch and shoot like kick out three from Trey, people are not going to enjoy that process. I don't think. <laughs> but listen, he's, he's got value too. And look, I'll say yeah, this later. Most, I'm sure, but Jalen, I want to see Jalen. The most absurd thing in his career, if you just look at his whole career basketball reference page, is he shot 41.5% from three in – hold on, let me get the total amount of minutes. 1,200 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> in 2017-18. I don't know. In the next season, he shot 27% in one well, more he, game. Well, he famously so, – uh, this is – yeah, like, look at this. So it was up 20, and down. It was 2017. or 35. Like, yeah. In 2017, uh, Harkless like kind of famously made an extra half million dollars in his contract because he shot at least 35 percent from three. Um, 
And like he, as soon as he got over the line, he just stopped shooting threes basically. And it was hilarious. Like it, it became like a national, like joking thing because um, yeah. he shot 35.1% and he basically just refused to take a three in that last game, which was very, very funny. So um, yeah, I mean, I think the most recent stuff is more in, indicative. Like he's had some decent shooting seasons, but um, career 32% from three on small volume in the last four years is 30% on small volume. Like, would it stun yeah. me if he could shoot 34% the season? No, but uh, I think he, the biggest thing with Harkless is that his teams are not going to guard him. And that's, yeah, that's where, where he's you like get into Solomon Hill stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just ignored. yeah. He's, a, he's a more athletic Solomon Hill, which is fine. Again, though, I said this a lot, but for people just tuning in, Zach Lowe said this recently. I've said it a lot. The Hawks are going to try to get under the salary, uh, under, the, under the tax at some point. And I think that, uh, Harkless is the easy dump candidate. The problem is if Jalen's not ready or what, for whatever reason, there's not a whole lot of depth at the four, which we've kind of talked about here, I guess. Like they don't really have a lot of options. Like, and even Hunter, who is like, can play, obviously can play a little bit of four is really, you know, obviously the primary three. So they don't have a ton of depth. If something happens to Jalen who missed the summer and wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't at summer league, et cetera. So like, the insurance policy of having Harkless is like the reason he's still on the team. Like once he, it was clearly working to trade him right away or cut him right away. Like he's going to be here, I think for a little while. Yeah. I mean, obviously if, you know, I don't, if the Hawks are struggling, then, you know, they might just do it anyway and let Jalen go through it. You know, if true um, or, or go cheaper. I mean, there's also a way to get under the tax by swapping Harkless for a minimum guy. Like, yeah. I don't know who that guy is, but you know, it's, it, I don't know. It's such a weird spot because everyone, and I mean everyone that I talk to, assumes the Hawks are going to get under the tax. But the the only obvious way is to is to get off Harkless. Like they have other ways to do it too. Like they could trade somebody else. They could do whatever they want to do. But the the glaringly obvious way to do that is to dump Harkless. And like because Holiday, Aaron Holiday, and Kaminsky are not enough. They can't just trade those guys for nothing and get under. That's not quite enough money. But Harkless is. So it's like that's the guy you have to circle and. Hopefully, Jalen Johnson is ready to go in October. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go into Jalen, I'm a. I'm yeah, ready, let's let, let's get let's get to Jalen before we get that to, the, to that. Though it's good to it's good professional tease from you, Zach. A word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is here in a big way in September, of course. And Bet Online is the number one source for all of your football needs across pro and college, and as well as the information that you're looking for this season. Find all the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts at Bet Online, including all the content that you need for the weekend slate each and every time in college and pro. Bet Online is also a continued source for all the wager information you need across the sports world. That includes live betting and esports and live scores. And Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to consume every sport. They might have interest in at this stage on this show. Of course, we talk about the NBA and there are plenty of future stuff out there right now. Win totals, conference odds, playoff odds, division odds, title odds, individual award stuff, and much more. And beyond the NBA, but online has odds and lines on college sports across the board. They have baseball and MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, of course, football, and much more. But head to bet online right now. On your computer or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world, but online where the game starts. All right, let's dive into Jalen Johnson uh, by popular demand. Uh, this is a guy who played 120 minutes last year and people were not happy about it. And I get it. Uh, even I, who was trying to pass on the fact that the Hawks did not trust his defense, I still wanted to play, I wanted to see him play more than he played last year. He was good in the G League when he played. Um, 
people are waiting uh, for him to be healthy, of course. He missed summer league. He had a non-surgical procedure in the offseason, as a reminder. And uh, the Hawks did say at the time of that announcement that he would be ready for training camp. Uh, it's been a little bit quiet around Jalen. I've not really heard anything. I know Tower Jones on a recent episode asked me um, if Jalen Johnson was still alive, and I, I assume that he is uh, around somewhere. But, um, yeah, all quiet on Jalen for now. But, uh, obviously, Hawks fans are excited about him. I'm excited about him. I hope he's the backup power forward. Uh, how are you feeling about Jalen Johnson? Good. I mean, I feel like, you know, the little bit we saw, especially on offense, he's able to impact the game with his athleticism. And he's just, you know, raw, of course. But the shot, actually, I mean, hopefully it's gotten better, first of all, since last time we saw it. And second of all, it wasn't hopeless. You know what I mean? He, no. he wasn't like – you know, it's not like they were coming all the way out and guarding him fully. So we'll see if, if teams start actually guarding him, you know, what happens or, you know, if he even gets to that point where they do. But I thought he was a good enough pick and roll slash pick and pop player to where if he rolls, he's hard to deal with because he's so athletic. And if he pops and they just completely don't guard it, I'm fine with him taking that shot. So I actually think he's got like a good little second unit role, kind of like uh, – when Collins came into the league where he could kind of just come in and set some screens and, and go for offensive rebounds or lobs or whatever. And it'll be relatively easy for him to have like 10 and seven, you know, on a given night that he actually gets to play, whether he's, you know, good enough on defense to stay in the rotation or not, I guess is what we're going to see. But I think as far as like just getting points and rebounds, I think he is, he'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, just for people that didn't watch him play a lot in the G League last year, I know people don't always have the bandwidth to do that. He played 21 G League games across, like, the tournaments and stuff like that, and he averaged 21 and 11 with four assists, like a steal and a half, a block and a half. And to your point, he shot 37% from three. It was not huge volume, only four attempts per game, but that was one of the questions that he kind of answered on some level. Um, for their shooting, still kind of a weakness. I think he shot 58% from the line last year in the G League, but – yeah, I don't really worry about the offense. There are some interesting fit things because Jalen, as a guy, always as a prospect as well, like has had the ball in his hands quite a bit. And on the Hawks, he will probably not have the ball in his hands quite a bit. Um, I think that he actually could be a sneaky, like maybe point forward option if they get an injury or something like that. If you were to lose, let's say, DeJounte for two weeks and you don't have a backup point guard, really, maybe they could put the ball in Jalen's hands a little bit yeah. more. But uh, in a small, a smaller usage role, I'll be interested to see how he kind of fits that because in the G League, he was the guy. I mean, that, and he should have been. That's what you want to see when he was in College Park. He obviously was the number one option and should have been. But in Atlanta, he's not going to be that. I mean, no matter what, unless there are three or four injuries, he's not going to be the guy. So it's like, all right, Jalen, you might have 13 minutes a game just assigned to you early in the season. How do you play that role on offense and defense? And crucially, defense, like, I know he's athletic. And I know he has some raw tools defensively, some good block and steal numbers, but um, being athletic and being 6'9 is not quite enough to to stick defensively at the NBA level. You have to know what you're doing. And rookies have a Steve learning curve. I, I don't think it's like really an indictment of him that he, that he couldn't play defensively last year. But now year two is different. Um, I would have loved if he had a whole summer to be healthy, but that's the thing. I mean, and I'm sure Nate will say that even at some point if, some, if he's asked about it at media day or whatever, that's the thing to circle about Jalen is that we won't really be able to know that until we actually see him play in real meaningful games. Yeah. I actually like him with either um, DeJounte or Trey, obviously, or both. But because yeah. if he – say, like, down the road when he's more developed, 
our next season are probably more where you would actually be able to plan for this if things go well. Since DeJounte is not the kind of like dominant one-on-one player that Trey is, he he obviously will play better with Trey off the ball, but he might get more of that on the ball look when Trey is off the court and DeJounte is in at the point. And they might, you know, they might be able to run more sets where Jalen is actually initiating stuff because DeJounte wasn't always, you know, a point guard that, you know, got basically whatever he averaged last season, like almost a triple double. He was earlier in his career, you know, he he had to work his way into that, you know, on ball role all the time. And he'll already be used to that with Trey. And I know he'll want, you know, to control things when Trey's not off or not on the court, you know, a lot. But it will also be a time where if Jalen is effective, where, you know, obviously you're not going to want to take the ball out of Trey's hands. You'd rather take it out of someone else's hands. So, Yeah, he actually fits well in a lot of different constructions. I think even – I think this is a point that Glenn's made too. I'm not trying to steal it from him. But uh, there's a world where Jalen is – better on defense against threes talked about that a little bit with uh, with Andrew and Tyler this last week as well because he is big and athletic and I think maybe the off-ball stuff will be the last thing he gets on on defense whereas the on-ball stuff it's a little it's a little bit easier to process for a young guy who is 6'9 and athletic and rangy to just be able to like all right just go, just guard that guy you don't have to be necessarily the same help side presence that might be the biggest weakness that he has right yeah, now defensively I can see that where he would be better at guarding like Kevin Durant, then he would be at guarding like, um, or just being know. a being a help guy. Yeah. I mean, not even guarding. It's not yeah. even like, like yeah, better as like an on ball guy against against yeah. wings. Like a big and, wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially you know, I got a question in the mailbag a few weeks ago about Harkless, and I don't think you're going to play Harkless and Jalen together really at all unless something happens to Hunter. But Harkless is a really good rim protector. It's like they're actually the inverse of each other uh, on defense. Um, but no, I, I think that and Hawks fans have always kind of not all of them, but I've kind of thought that Jalen may be more of a three. Whereas the Hawks organization, by all accounts, by people telling me flat out or also their actions, they've treated Jalen like a big for the last year and a half. Like he played a lot of five at the G League level and basically no three anywhere. Like he's not played really any kind of small forward minutes at the professional level. Now he could. I think that it's not impossible that that is going to happen. And again, especially if something happens to Hunter, there might be more of an opportunity there for him. But at this moment in mid-September, they still think of him as a four, I think, as his primary position and closer to five than three. And we'll see if that changes. But that's something to circle, too, is like, you know, is it just going to be as obvious as he's the back of power forward? Because Collins is going to play a lot. We'll get to Collins in a second. He's going to play a lot of minutes. I'm pretty confident about that with, with Gallo gone. But how will the other 13 to 16 minutes a game gets distributed is one of the big, not most impactful questions, but it's a question that I would love to answer. And I don't have a whole lot of confidence in is like where those 12 to 13, 14 minutes go every night. Yeah. No, I mean, obviously Collins is going to probably have a massive role as far as, as long as, you know, he's healthy and obviously him and Capella has not always been the smoothest fit, but I think they've proven enough that, you know, that it works though it's going to happen because they're both getting paid a lot. They're both back and it's worked well enough to where like, they're not going to plan around it. So yeah, those 15 minutes or whatever it ends up being, I mean, obviously everyone's hoping Jalen is, you know, ready for that, but if he's not, you know, Harkless is there and that's kind of the idea, I guess, as far as, you know, the, yeah. entire, the overall situation. But They were never going to go, the way I said it, they were never going to go into the season 
with only Jalen. Like there was always going to be a veteran of some kind. It's obviously it ended up being more heartless who, who, who they of course got in the trade for Herder alongside just holiday. But if it wasn't more heartless, it would be somebody else. They would have signed a minimum guy next to Jalen. It was not going to just be like, we only have two power cords on the roster. They were always going to have some insurance policy there. And it happens to be more heartless and, perfect world i think even as someone who i think appreciates more heartless more than most i i think opening night you don't want to have to see more heartless i think that hope everyone should be hoping that it's jalen for 14 minutes and john for 32 33 minutes 34 minutes whatever it is and that's it yeah and back to the three versus like five thing like what is he closer to whatever it is now like we know or we feel like we can almost know that Nate is going to be somewhat rigid with it. Like, he's not just going to all of a sudden throw Jalen in as the three. You know what I mean? Because Yeah, that was so, never happening. It's a good point. He's, he's so, like, rigid and like, the cross-matching even, and much less, like, putting someone at a whole new position in the middle of the season. So, I just don't – if he's not playing three within, like, the first week, I don't think he'll see it all season. No, it's a good point. I mean, that's something that gets under underplayed. I don't know why that is, but uh, especially defensively, this the roles are so different. Um, that especially for a young guy who was a rookie last year, they were not going to just suddenly after after having him play the four and the five exclusively in College Park, have him play the three in Atlanta. That was just not yeah, going to happen. Not even um, maybe he has more more flexibility now that he's been in the system for a year. That's because you know he had the injury over the summer, but that doesn't keep you away from the facility. Like he got, and the good thing is being in College Park now and the way the Julie system is set up. They're running the same stuff in College Park that they run in Atlanta. So, like, he has a full year of being in the system, being around the team, and now, you know, maybe he has a more expansive look at what he can do. But I'm definitely with you. Like, I think that is it's just different to be asking a young guy to play a wing role versus a big role and having to do both. And I think he might do both in the future. Like, I've always kept that open. Like, I think he could be kind of a, a, kind of a combo forward type because he is so skilled with the ball in his hands and he's such a good athlete. But – early in his career, especially defensively. I, I don't want to keep pounding that, but it really is the case. That's going to be what swings his playing time for me. Because offensively, we know Jalen is productive. And yeah, I think his jumper could be a bit of a swing skill for him, playing a smaller role as a role guy right now. But more than anything, it's very clear to me that how much he plays will be basically directly as a result of his defense, whether it's good enough or not, essentially. Yeah, I'm just thinking of problems they could run into. Like, I'm trying to think of the East. Like, say, like, they're playing, I don't know, the Nets and in, in Simmons is playing, which is obviously huge. If, but I was just, <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, Jokic or LeBron, but that is just going to be so seldom that I didn't want to say it. So, like, say yeah. they're playing the Nets and they got Ben Simmons and Durant are both playing. He's probably going to be more likely to guard Simmons, I guess. But then, Simmons is going to be more likely to like bully him inside at his natural position versus where he would actually probably be better at guarding Durant, even though that would put him on the wing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he's not going to be like conditioned to play wing on defense, but there's going to be game. Like say it is LeBron. Yeah. You don't want him guarding LeBron on the block, but you also don't want him being manipulated by LeBron and help. Well, I was going to say, that's the thing about Ben Simmons, especially is if you're, if he's guarding, a non-shooter, it doesn't have to be Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons is an example, then you become a help guy. And that's a lot harder of a role in some ways for a guy who is as young as he is. So, yeah, I mean, the tools are there. And I think he does have some playmaking instincts. And, you know, the Hawks have not had a ton of 
defensive playmakers. I mean, other than Cam in the last couple of years, now they have Murray, of course, but Jalen does have some natural like defensive, you know, getting deflections and just being athletic and kind of just being a habit creator, but it's the, it's the rotational stuff. It's kind of knowing where to be. That's the question uh, right now. And I think maybe, you know, also Marcus is a vet. I mean, I think that he'll learn from guys like that. I think being on the team last year, being around the guys, and you know there was some there was some real value in him even when he wasn't playing. I always try to say this: like I know there's the argument for playing in the G League, and that's definitely helpful. You want to be, you want to have that, but there also is value to the guys being on the bench and not playing in Atlanta. If he could there do, is. if he could do what Collins does and help in team defense, he would be a good defender. And that's that's the hope. I mean, that's what you're hoping for for Jalen Johnson, whether it's this year or next year or whenever. It's like, yeah, he has the skill set for it. I mean, in terms of like just the size and the ranginess, and uh, I think he can block some shots. We've seen that a little bit at Duke, even uh, going back to high school. I think some weeks that rim protection stuff could really be there for him. It's just kind of getting the field down. And look, Collins, we've talked about it a lot. We'll get to Collins in a second, but early in his career, he was a terrible defender. I mean, in college, he was a really bad defender. He, he figured it out, and he's gotten better every year. And he's not elite but he's he's pretty good now defensively yeah. and i think it's just like figuring out what you need to do and how to use your body i think cons has the he has the same weaknesses as when he came in the league as far as like you don't want him on the block guarding Embiid, for example no. but he's gotten so much better at everything that you have to do in pro basketball to play defense because even if you're not a good defender all the team defense stuff that you keep harping on that you say i don't want to keep harping on it or whatever <laughs> it's like not being able to feel the ground ball at third base. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it's just fundamental whether you stuck it one on one or that's what everyone focuses. <laughs> everyone focuses on whether you get scored on or not. And that's like, you know what? I mean, Kevin Durant shoots 16 times the entire game. I mean, there's 80 other plays that you have to guard. You know what I mean? So it, I don't know. It's, it's something that's boring, I guess, to keep repeating, but if he can't do it, he won't play. So I guess that's why. And that's, yeah. I, and that's what we can, we can kind of leave it there, but that is, I can tell you this with authority, and I'm not just saying that is why he didn't play last year. It was it was his defense. They were not. He could have played offense. We, we he's skilled right now. He can he can go out there and get you 15 points right now if you give him enough minutes. It's the it's the defense, and that's why he obviously it's different now too because Gallo wasn't there. We should we say that out loud. Like this is a team that had a 20 million dollar backup power forward for the last two seasons, and like basically the best backup four in the league. No matter what you think about Gallo and his defense is bad, I get all that. But, like, they heavily invested in Gallinari and taking that guy off the roster while it helps your defense just unequivocally. Like, that's a huge hole that they have to fill either with more Collins or whatever they do behind him. And I think that, obviously, the opportunity is more clear now. Like, I saw it coming a mile away last year that Jalen wasn't going to play because of defense and also because, look, just look at the depth chart. Like, they had they had $45 million of power forwards ahead of him this year it's just Collins. this is a random but you're just talking about all these power forwards i don't know why i just randomly thought is philly's gonna start harris and tucker uh i i, I don't i don't know what philly's gonna do to be honest that just uh, sounds they, hilarious to me I yeah know, they I have some interesting options small, i know he's a small forward but like he's a power forward dude. he's played some three but yeah i, I think i just they, mean like in the modern game like he's a four body like he, he's oh yeah not. he's definitely a four i mean he plays the three, but he's not. Like, well, they also have interesting – not to make this a Philly podcast. They also have Daniel House, and they have Tybalt, and they have De'Anthony Melton. So it's like, do you start Melton 
and have Harden kind of just be the three you have on to defense. Start Ma- you have to start Maxi, right? That's what I'm saying. Well, that's yeah, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, you start yeah, with yeah, Harden yeah. and Maxi okay, yeah, and yeah. just go small because Harden Harden's basically a four on defense in a lot of ways. He doesn't really move, but yeah, yeah you can't. That's you can't if you start Harden at the three, then Tucker ain't coming off the bench, bro. I, I don't think he's coming off the bench. Yeah, I think it's gonna be Tucker and, and like, to your point, yeah. I think it's gonna be Tucker and Harris, and we'll see. Like, how they Tucker will fight someone before he comes off the bench. I think they're gonna have to make it to where they start those guys, and then like three minutes, one of those. I remember, I remember when Tucker got to Miami, people were like, is he going to start? And I'm like, who's telling him he's not starting? Like, he's going to start. Like, Udonis Haslam's going to tell him. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, okay, we'll leave that there for now. All right, we have uh, one more break to get to, and then we'll get back with some uh, some John Collins talk. So stay tuned, and we're from our sponsors. Do you want to talk about Steph Curry or Kevin Durant, LeBron James, how about Luka Doncic or Jason Tatum, or Giannis, of course, or Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP, or local favorite Trey Young? Who is the most valuable player in the NBA for this coming season? Locked on and bet online. Present the NBA top 50 most valuable player list starting on September 19th. Find it on Locked on NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, Zach, let's talk about John Collins. Uh, we don't have to go too long because people know people know John Collins for the most part. But uh, we talked about it a little bit a second ago. This is not that he was ever going to have danger of having a small role because uh, he's making a bunch of money. He's really good. He's the top 60, 70 player in the league, something like that. Um, but with Gallo gone, like the argument for Collins now is like his numbers have famously gone down in terms of the counting stats as he has played less and as he has played next to a traditional center, um, especially rebounding stuff. But now after playing a uh, about 30, 30 and a half minutes a game last year, I think he might play 34 minutes a game this year, 35 minutes a game. Uh, he might, there's a scenario. I don't know if it's going to happen. There is a scenario I can see where he like almost leads the team in minutes. Like not that he should play more than Trey, you know, but because of the way that it all kind of breaks down, there's just, I like Jalen. There's nobody behind John Collins that has proven. And I think that they would be wise to lean into playing him more like three years ago when he had his like biggest stat season, uh, when he averaged like 22 and 10, he played 33 minutes a game that year. That was pre Gallo. And now yeah. Gallo's not there anymore. And like, I think he, they're going to probably need to lead on John and they should. Well, yeah. And they're not going to have like the option of, cause people always jumped all over Collins whenever he would have like a game with seven points or whatever. But a lot of times they had the luxury of maximizing spacing and like taking him out for a few minutes. And maybe he only played 22 minutes that night. Oh, that happened a lot with Gallo. They don't have Gallo anymore. But like, yeah, like they're not going to have a 40% three point shooter that's making $20 million that they they feel like they have to put in, you know? So all it took, all it took the last two years for Collins to come out of the game was for him to be cold or get in a little bit of foul trouble. And all of a sudden there were, I don't know, you could go search your tweets and probably type it in and find them. There's tweets. (laughs) from you or peace or hoops or whatever, where he went 13 straight minutes without playing in the middle of games with two fouls, you know, just because of the flow game flow or, you know, whatever. So yeah, they're going to be forcing uh, him back into games with two fouls now. Cause they, you know, they, they need to. And, and yeah. it's also the only other, you know, there we'll get into this. We'll talk about the centers at some point, but like there are arguments to like close with a Kong Wu or, you know, kind of have those guys maybe have interchangeable roles in some way. There's no one on this roster that's keeping Collins off the floor. I mean, even if you are the biggest Jalen Johnson fan in the world, I don't think you're going to have Jalen being so good and like indispensable this year that you, he's not going to be. No, he's he's the best shooter at the four also. He's, uh, he's the best player. He's the Collins best is the best. Yeah, he's, he's the, the best, best everything right now. Yeah, defender. I mean, uh, and I mean, even 
I guess one of the other options might the only lineup I can see, honestly, that could the Hawks could go oh, to that, the three. Well, or or Bo, Bogey and Hunter. Bogey, like Bogey, if they need yeah. to, like, if they're losing, like you know, Nate has tended to lean on these lineups when they're down eight or down ten in the fourth. He he, t- he kind of tends to lean offense. But would you take Collins like, or Capella off in that? Well, that's that's the question. Is like maybe maybe you just go Collins at center at that point. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that Collins is going to play less center now than he ever has because Kongwu is just going to keep right. playing more and more, and he should. Yeah. Kong was awesome, but and and because Collins is the best four. So it's like I have a hard time on a regular Tuesday seeing a world where like you could justify short of foul trouble or whatever not playing Collins 32 minutes. Like I just don't see him not playing as much. Like he's going to be – I'd be stunned if he doesn't play more. That's all I'll say than last year because like why wouldn't he, <laughs> which is the big thing. Yeah, no, he should play the most he's played since pre-Gallo or whatever. Well, yeah, and it was, I think there's a lot of attention paid to his per-game averages, and, like, I don't really care. I think it's very explainable. Like, I don't think he – in fact, I know he's a better – I think he's a better player now than he was three years ago, and I know that three years ago he averaged 21.5 points and 10 rebounds a game, and he's a better player now than he was then. He just is. Now, uh, he shot 40% from three that year. I'm not sure that's necessarily sustainable, and he was awesome. It's a role thing. Like, I think we've talked about this ad nauseum, but Collins has been the guy they've asked to sacrifice to make it work with Capella and even with the Kongwu. And he's done the job very well. Like, I think Collins, just as a reminder, his best role offensively is still as a role man. He's one of the best pick and roll finishers, pick and roll dive men in the league. But when you're playing with a center almost all the time that can't shoot, he's been asked to space to the corner. He's done that. There's been some grumbling along the way. There's there's stuff that's out there. I'm sure he's not thrilled with the role necessarily, but he's done it. He's done it well. And then always done done to sort of counteract that is become a better defender every year. He's had a lower turnover rate every single year of his career. Going from 14% to 11% to 10% to 9% to 7.5% turnover rate. His assist rate went up last year. Like he, he's just gotten better at everything else. And while his numbers have gone down, it's because number one, he's just gotten better as a player, but he just kind of has forced himself into being this more well-rounded player. And we watch him all the time. So we know that, but you know, national, you still hear like offhanded podcast comments that like kind of chuckle about his defense. And it's like, I, he used to be bad and I get it, but he's not, he's not bad anymore. Like he's a pretty no, good defender fine. and yeah. like, he's not Draymond defensively or as a passer, but like he's a fine passer. He's a, fine defender like he does there's not a whole lot that he doesn't do well like the one thing that he doesn't do like at a great level is create his own shot offensively like that's you know what are you going to do like you you can't just like decide to do that out of thin air so anyway i'm definitely pro john collins but i think it's a situation now where he should play more i wish he could run more pick and roll as the as the role guy but this is the roster they have so he probably isn't gonna do that yeah no i mean i don't know the numbers or whatever, but like the, the points per game and all that. I mean, I don't know how to project if he's going to, I would say probably not 22 and 10 or whatever, because you got DeJounte, you got Capella, no, you got, it won't be that, that Ray. isn't coming back. I mean, last year was six, just for the, just so I have it, like last year he averaged 16.2 points and 7.8 rebounds per game. Now it was closer to like 17 and eight and a half because when he came back with the, when he came back in April, he played like, 20 minutes a game and was obviously hurt and that that hurt his averages a little bit so i think before the injury it was like in the you know mid 17s uh and like eight and a half but even then like i think he's gonna go up from those numbers because he's gonna play more not necessarily that he's gonna have better numbers per minute counting stat wise 
I just think he's going to go from playing 30 minutes a game to 34. Yeah, it'll probably be like between 18 and 19 points and 9 and 10 rebounds. That's kind of what I think too. Like, I I think if I had to say, I think I said it with with Josh Lloyd on the podcast and his on his show was like an eight, like 18 and eight and a half, something like that. 18 and nine, Uh, which is that's really good. And um, and once you're a fantasy player, it doesn't really matter to be honest. Like, I think his production is going to be more important than that. Will obviously be like his true shooting and if his turnover rate is you know he's been hyper yeah, he doesn't have, every year it doesn't have like, to go down again with the turnover rate but you know just something below 10 or whatever like, it's you still want, yeah you don't want it to really skyrocket good. all of a sudden when he starts you know getting a little the ball a little bit more and i don't think it will and so it, it will, might, it might mean, go up a little bit but yeah i think that's that's all reasonable and he's become a very solid three-point shooter um a really good free throw shooter you know high 70s to low 80s the last three or four years in a row at the line um one thing that I, I will make sure to say is that, you know, for all of the talk, we've been doing this for probably two and a half years now about him and Capella last year, the Hawks had like a plus five net rating with Collins and Capella on the floor together the year before it was like plus six, like that pairing, as much as it, we all, all talked about how it doesn't work perfectly on offense. It's worked. They've been effective the entire way. And I think Collins and the Con will make a lot of sense as well. Like the, those two pairings, I know they're not perfect centers for them, but Collins makes it work with his flexibility and I think that the, defensively, you know, the Hawks, as much as it sounds weird, the Hawks kind of play bigger than a lot of teams do. Like Collins is a very big power forward in the modern NBA. He's not a huge guy, but like the way he plays, he plays like an old school power forward in some respects. And like a lot of teams, when they're playing a combo forward at the four, you know, if you're playing Collins and Capella, that's a pretty big four and five, and which helps your defense. It just, it, yeah. it just does. It's kind of nitpicky when people try to like. I mean, obviously, nothing is perfect. As most times, nothing is perfect as far as chemistry. <laughs> so, having a top ten offensive player, and then what? Now they have three other top hundred players in the starting lineup. I mean, that's while those guys play, they should be plus something. You know, three, four, or five, or whatever. I mean, whatever the fit is, however they have to figure it out. Like having Trey, who you know is borderline a guy who's going to get MVP votes any given year. He might not actually, but you know, he's, he's, a, he's like a top 15. If they, if they win what, what 50, 50 games, like he's top 15 would... on the odds, right? For sure. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and I've said this before, but if, if they win 50 plus games, Trey will get MVP votes. I'm not sure he's going to, he won't, he probably won't win it, but yeah. he should get MVP votes if they win a lot, if they win enough so games. You have that guy. And then Collins and Capella and Murray all individually are, you know, probably what really, top, seven, really top, good. top 75 at the worst. Yep. I mean, Murray and Capella are probably closer to top 50 or whatever, but yeah, no, it's, and the thing yeah. is, I, I just want to, it breaks my brain too, because this is the power forward episode. I, I have, I have affection for Gallo. We've, we've all enjoyed Gallo. Not having Gallo for the defense is a big win. Now it, it's going to hurt the offense in some ways. So that's notable. But I mean, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, eh. I mean, which Gallo? Because there were games where he had 27, true. and there's games where he had two. Well, so. yes, that, that's true. But the, the one thing that they will miss about Gallo is that he had to be guarded. Like, yeah, te- true, teams yeah, teams respect Gallo. And just the, the IQ, like just the oh, things yeah. he's capable of offensively, like it for sure. But defensively, I mean, short of Jalen playing and being a total disaster, which I don't think is going to happen, they're better defensively at the four 
taking Gallo. Gallo was very bad by the end. They lost um, their they lost their Vucevic stopper though. That's going to be <laughs> that's true. He has he, he, Gallo is a very large individual. But no, I, I think that just to help. I mean, we talked about the defense a lot on this podcast the last several months, but they're going to be better defensively adding Murray, but even just excising Gallo in favor of whatever combination of Harkless and Jalen and whoever, it's going to be better defensively. And I think Collins playing more also helps. I mean, this is, if you factor in that it's only four minutes a game or whatever it's going to be, but him playing more helps your defense because he's, he's been their best power forward defender for the last couple of years. So I don't know. I, I, I still yeah. like John Collins. I think, I don't think he's going to suddenly become a different player. I think there was a, a school of thought in some circles that like, when he got paid, he was going to suddenly become a better, like a top 20 player because he made a lot of money. He's still the same really good top 50 to 60 player in the league that he's been the whole time. It's just a little bit different around the edges, yeah, but in a, sure. in a better way. <laughs> he's more well-rounded and he's more consistent than he used to be. So, yeah, I mean, you could easily argue the Hawks have four top 60 players. Oh, I would. And, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of famously higher on Capella and Collins than a lot of people are, but I definitely would. I mean, they have a – Top 10 or 15 player in Trey. You have DeJounte in the top 35, 40. You have Capella and Collins somewhere between 45 and 65. Like, yeah. That's really good. I mean, it's not quite the, it's not quite the uh, shout out to Tower Jones, the four all stars from Cleveland. Four all stars, Zach. I'm not sure if you heard they have four all stars. Um, you got to put some respect on Kevin Love's name. They got a five all stars. Yeah, that, no, exactly. Exactly. That's true. Kevin Love has done a lot more than some people on Cleveland's roster have done in their careers. Um, anyway, well, uh, power forward wise, I think just as we sort of wrap up here, like, you know, they're in a good spot. They're not as deep as they have been. You know, go, the last two years, they could reasonably say like they had one of the best 48 minute tandems at the four in the entire league when you factor in how good Gallo is compared to a, a typical backup power forward. That safety isn't quite there. But a little bit more, John, and then you're hoping for something from Jalen. And uh, that should – I'm not worried about power forward. I think there are scenarios where backup power forward is not great. And if Collins gets an injury, they're in some trouble. But that's the case with a couple different guys on this roster, which I'm sure we'll get to in future episodes. But overall, depth is not a huge strength of this roster anymore. But as long as Collins is healthy and himself, they're in fine shape at the floor. People are going to get mad at me that – I, I I supported Cleveland because there's such a heated Cleveland Atlanta war out of nowhere. I, I did I did say this with uh, with Andrew and Tyler on on recent shows. Like this, there's kind of a weird budding rivalry happening. I don't really know why They're that good. is. Good, Cleveland is good. Like I I'm I, I'm in on it a little bit. Like, direct the, direct all complaints to at zhood underscore if you do, do not enjoy the Cavaliers. Um, but no, nah, well that's that's another podcast for another day. But uh. Yeah, there's there's a rivalry happening with those two young teams, it seems, and uh, kind of goes back to. Does the teams makes, makes know about it though? Is it on Twitter? No, they the don't. They it's the, it's the, it's the, it's Twitter. Um, it does remind me though of when like there was a time for people that are young like yourself, Zach. There was a time when uh, the Hawks played LeBron every year in the playoffs and lost every year in the playoffs. Yeah. in Cleveland, so lost every it's game. Kind of, a, kind of a nice throwback to that. They lost every. <laughs> they lost every single game, not just the series. Uh, I believe Jeff Teague concluded his career at 0-12 against LeBron in the playoffs, something like that. So didn't go very well. All right. Well, Zach, thank you for joining me on the podcast. I will uh, hopefully beg you to come back on to do some more of these uh, positional preview, primer, breakdown. I don't, I'm not sure I'm gonna, what I'm going to call this, but power forward talk on this on this fine September evening. Where do people find your work? I know you are uh, editing up a storm at Peachtree Hoops and uh, the content machine rolls on. 
Yeah, we're going to be ramping up, obviously, all the, the preview coverage as, you know, we get closer to training camp at Peachtree Hoops. And then if you're on YouTube, you can see my Twitter right there on the screen at ZHood underscore. Yes, and yes, they can. Thanks to Brad, always, for having me on. And, yeah, I look forward to being back soon. Yeah, check out Peachtree Hoops. I can personally attest to the quality of that website, especially now that I'm not a writer or editor at that website, but I am in Slack, so I get to see some of the correspondence as an emeritus member of Peachtree Hoops staff. Uh, but yeah, check out Zach's work. Check out the whole crew of Peachtree Hoops, Glenn, Wes, everybody. And uh, yeah, subscribe to this podcast. Tell a friend about the show, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And we'll see you next time.